Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no don't sweat yo, cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Barr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a really great episode today. It's with actress Sonal Shaw, who is fantastic. Really wonderful chat that we have, and she offers a lot of wisdom and insight. So I do hope you check that out. But first, let me ask that you... Like and subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash there it is. Also, leave a review for us if you don't mind. It actually helps us out a lot. On to today's episode. It, as I mentioned, is with Sonal Shaw, who you've seen on Scrubs. You've heard her on a ton of things, and she is the best. And this is a super positive, insightful ep. So let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Sonal Shaw. Let's go back here, because we're definitely going to talk about some of the cool things that you've been up to lately. But let's go back to the beginning. You are from Illinois. Yes, from Wheaton, Illinois. <laughs> That's not far from Chicago, right? Isn't it like kind of right yeah. outside? Of yeah, right? like 35 miles. So like three hours with traffic, <laughs> yeah. but not not really. It's like it's like an hour. It's a solid hour outside of Chicago. But I, And then I went to college in Chicago, Loyola. Okay. And what did you yeah. study there? Was it theater? Were you already doing theater by this point? Kind of. I was doing theater by this point, but I went to Loyola because specifically because I was pre-med and oh, I wow. wanted to be a doctor. And it was not, it was really not because my parents wanted me to. I really wanted to be a doctor and I love math mm-hmm. and I love science. And I, yeah, was really, he- yeah, wanted to be a doctor. I took the MCAT <laughs> and everything. And the meanwhile, I started doing theater and like I grew up doing Bollywood dance and doing shows you know in high school and middle school but so in college I was like oh for fun like I'll just do I'll do a play here and there and then it kind of started taking over and I you know I found myself like spending you know eight hours in the theater painting sets as opposed to studying for bio and it it was definitely like my own decision but it was but I was highly influenced by like the professors at Loyola who I feel like they kind of were like you should consider doing this and you should you know this is this is something you can do and I was like what really be an actor no way (laughs) and then lo and behold I switched my major to theater after completing all the pre-med requirements. And then Mm. I told my parents literally at the airport right before I was going to study abroad in Rome and for like six months. And how did they take it? Great. (laughs) They were, they, they took it extremely well. They are ridiculously supportive. Sometimes I'm like, you don't have to be so nice, but they are. (laughs) And they were like, yeah, makes it when I told them, they're like, yeah, makes sense. Like that makes sense. You're a a natural performer. This is what you do. So yeah, have fun in Europe. I was like, what? That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. And I guess it was a strategic ploy to do it at the airport because if they get mad at you, it's like, well, I got to go. Yeah. (laughs) 
You can't follow me through security. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. They knew I was going to get one response or the other, but they've always been pretty supportive. So I, you know, I didn't think that they would (laughs) be upset, but still it's, it it was a big life change. And and then I was also like, I'm going to major in theater. And I didn't know what that even meant at that point, but really it was theater. It wasn't acting, you know, it was theater. Like we kind of, we learned how to direct. We learned how to do lighting design and sound design. Yeah. And mm-hmm. right, you know, we covered all aspects. And, all of it. Yeah, which was incredible, obviously, because then I got to learn about how much of it is a collaborative, you know, process. Oh, yeah. Community. Yeah. I mean, you look at any play, any movie, any show, like one of the things that I love so much about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is how they nail the costumes and how they nail the way it looks. So it feels okay. like the era. And that's what I like yeah. about show. since I'm a kid of the 80s, when a show or movie nails the vibe of the 80s, I love it. And it's because of the set design. It's because of the hairstyles. It's because they nailed right. that stuff. The costume. It's everything all coming together. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I totally agree that it is a big collaborative effort. Were you also singing and dancing when you were in college? Because I also know that you sing and dance. Yeah, I did. I was. I did. In growing up, I would do a lot of the musicals in high school. And my first show at Loyola was West Side Story. And oh, wow. yeah. Who'd you play? I played a shark woman. And <laughs> this was, yeah, I was a shark woman. And this was, you know, it was my freshman year. I went to, I remember going to the audition and like walking on stage thinking, oh, I'm, I'm a singer and dancer. And then seeing everyone like at the top of their game and uh-huh. with their, you know, ba- jazz flats and everything. And I was like, oh, gosh, what is <laughs> and that's and that still happens to me, by the way. I feel like even now, like to this day, I'll go into things and ready and feeling good and then be immediately pushed down on my it's like the opposite of imposter syndrome like I feel like I'm like no no I got this I got this and they're like no you don't and so (laughs) it's funny how everyone feels that way yeah no matter how successful they are yeah people would love your career and yet you're saying this you know it's it's just an interesting I guess the humble people say it at least (laughs) yeah I mean there's always there's always room to grow and learn and I like to be but I do like to be put in those environments because then I'm like all right well so I so I did sing and dance throughout college and then and like Bollywood dance I still continue to Bollywood dance and and kind of through after college singing I like I'll do I still do it now like in cartoons and Mm -hmm. you know which is really which is so great because then they can make you sound good even if you're not (laughs) no 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 I mean I I yeah I sing a dance but it's they're definitely and dancing was definitely my first foray into performing so I still it's still like my first love but yeah so yeah I did (laughs) that's cool that's super cool singing and dancing at such a young age I I am envious I wish I could sing I've been told that I can but I obviously need to train. So I I consider myself not being able to sing. Oh, <laughs> but, no. Everyone can sing. <laughs> right? Everyone can sing in the shower, at least. That's the... <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You mentioned that you still do Bollywood dancing. And, of course, I've seen Bollywood. But what is the distinction that makes it Bollywood dancing? 
Oh, when I say Bollywood dancing, I don't mean like I dance in the movies and Bollywood movies. I mean, like I just do, you know, growing up, I would perform to Bollywood songs at okay. talent shows, weddings, that kind of thing. Is there like a certain style to it that is yeah, different? Well, that's like very noticeably different? I think so, because it's not classical. It's not I'm not classically trained. Like mm-hmm. in terms of Kathak or Bharatanatyam, which are the classical Indian dance. So Bollywood, Bollywood is just, it's kind of more modern. And it's, and it's like what you would see in Bollywood movies, just that kind okay. of, that kind of dance. So it's not, it's, there's no real. It's not as like, technical as salsa. No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. There's no like form, what it, like there's no actual definition of Bollywood dancing. All it is, is really dancing to Bollywood songs. <laughs> okay. That's, that's pretty much, Yeah. <laughs> You mentioned that you did study abroad. Uh, yeah, I studied abroad when I was a junior in college. And then mm-hmm. after I after Loyola, then I sort of graduated. I'm like, I'm an actor. What? And I didn't know what that even meant. And so right. I kind of jumped into doing theater in Chicago. And okay. and then I did do the Stanislavski summer school at Harvard. It's basically oh, this amazing oh. program that is taught entirely in Russian with translators and a it's like the the theater the professors are from the Moscow Art Theater School and so I spent the summer in Boston I was going to go there for graduate school but then I kind of decided that was kind of the point in doing the program to sort of you know foray into grad school there and then kind of at the last minute I decided not to and I came back to Chicago and did but and basically just dove into doing theater nonstop in in Chicago. And so, yeah, I did that for a few years before. And the first, like my first professional production was A Christmas Carol at the Goodman Theater. And Mm -hmm. which is, I, you know, one of Chicago's best theaters. And that was one of, for me, that was a huge like step in the right direction. I never planned on moving to LA. It was kind of a, it, I, I, I did a short film with this guy, Sean Jordan, and mm-hmm. he, he will forever be somebody that I'm thankful for. But he's he kind of was like, hey, you should consider moving to L.A. And I'm like, what? I didn't I never thought about it. It was not on my ever. I never I was right, doing it's such a theater person. I mean, yeah, in Chicago, was, such an amazing theater scene. Why would yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. And I also was doing comedy at the time I did. I was part of this group called Stir Friday Night. That's with Danny Pudi. And so, oh, cool. but Danny and I know, I know Danny from like freshman year of college, but we did. Oh. Yeah. So, but we did, we were part of this group and then we had some sketches together that we did. And then I was doing second city in Chicago. So I was kind of like in the scene and doing all the comedy stuff in Chicago. And then when this guy kind of brought up moving to LA, he's like, I know a girl, Jacqueline Dean, she's an editor and she's looking for a roommate. Do you want to meet her? So I sort of, I met Jacqueline kind of like on a blind friend date and then the rest is history. She came out here. She found this house. She called me. She's like, Hey, I found this house. We could live with two girls. I know. Are you in or out? And it was that it was a very decision. It was a decision I had not thought through. I thought, okay, I'll go out for a little bit. Luckily I had an agent in Chicago that was able to set me up with agent meetings in LA. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's kind of how I how I did the jump and then never. I mean, I did turn back a lot. Actually, I went back to Chicago quite often throughout my time in L.A. But Mm -hmm. yeah, but it was a it was supposed to be a temporary trial. And now it's been many, many years. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I see you had a National Lampoon's movie in your credits before Scrubs, or I guess it was the same year as Scrubs. And how did that come about? Like getting in a National Lampoon's thing? I mean, it's, that's great to have in your IMDb. It is so random. I was doing went here. I went through, I did the second city here and did their whole program. And then I became, you know, we, I started doing a lot of sketch comedy and, and I was with two of my friends, Haley and Emily, we were rehearsing. And I think it was, it happened to be at National Lampoon, like the, our teacher at the time, Jay Leggett, what, who has mm -hmm. since passed, he had some kind of connection with National Lampoon. And so we were, we were rehearsing in their offices and somebody heard us rehearsing and <laughs> opened the door and they said, we have this movie. Do you want to be in a few scenes? <laughs> like, we'll let you kind of think of ideas as to what, you know, we're trying to up the comedy in the movie. And that's how, that's how that happened. It's the movie that I will that's not so cool. really share with anyone it's uh, <laughs> those scenes are a little risky get it and yeah <laughs> nothing you know nothing crazy but they're definitely like the dirtier jokes than than we normally would do but yeah so that's how that happened it's kind of a it wasn't it was that it was a story like it was a kind of a crazy situation being in the right place at the right time kind of thing yeah that's a that's yeah. the story everyone wants yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like oh someone just heard me and wanted me <laughs> yeah, in their <laughs> exactly yeah when you say it like that it does sound kind of funny but yeah that's basically what happened <laughs> <laughs> so scrubs happened that same year how did that come about obviously auditioning um, but can you talk through that process yeah sure i was working in PR at the time as that was like my day job and just kind of auditioning. And I had, I had an audition for scrubs and it was, it was, you know, you get auditions and then you get scrubs audition. Like it's sort of, there's this moment of what they're looking for new interns. Wow. This is my, I was pre-med. I had my scrub. I had literally, right. Like this, you know, I, it was. Your parents got to have best of both worlds. Yeah, exactly. Doctor. Exactly. And support you as an actor. And they definitely talk about that still to this day. <laughs> um, but, but it was, it was one of those moments that I, you know, I called, I remember calling Kate and Casey, my college roommates who are current now doctors and going over <laughs> some vocabulary with them. And, oh, yeah. you know, and they're like, don't you remember you were pre-med? I'm like, I know, but I just want to make sure. And <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it was one of those, I kind of like put my all into that particular audition and wore my scrubs. I remember it was a couple, it was a few rounds. I went originally and you had a choice to do three set. Like there were three sets of sides and you had a choice to choose one. They're kind of dummy sides. And I chose one and in the audition, they're like, let's do the other one. So of course, after I'd done all my prep, in the moment they're like let's do the other one I was like, okay and so <laughs> i did the other one and then i had a, a call back i think i feel like it was i can't remember whether it was first i think it was first just bill lawrence and um i remember i started and he stopped me right away and was like you're really funny and i'm like thank you and it was just this moment of like like the first time somebody somebody who I really respected and admired, like, you know, gave me some external validation that I didn't oh, that's know great. I desperately needed. And by the way, I wore my scrubs to the audition. 
And I was uh-huh. like, hi, I'm so excited to be here. I was pre-med in college, you know, and I was, you know, it was a while ago. I was really excited. So when I, then I had a third callback with him, with Bill Lawrence and the rest of the producers. And mm-hmm. then I didn't hear anything for like a month and a half. Oh, wow. Probably. I, yeah, yeah. I, nothing, zero. And, and when then, it gets to a month and a half, you just assume, well, I guess I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, after like two days, you kind of are like, all right, well, that's over. Focus <laughs> on the next thing. And right. I remember I got a call from my agent and he's like, hey, remember that Scrubs audition you had? You start on Monday. And I was like, what? Wow. What? And so I went and I had no idea what character I was playing. I didn't know anything. And he, Bill Lawrence came and he's like, okay, we're going to, he's like, we'll call you, we're going to call you Sunny Day. He's like, remember how kind of cheery you were when you came to the audition? He's like, just be that, but even more annoying. Oh, okay. So I was going to ask, did you do the voice? Because you had a, a much higher voice than your speaking voice on the show. So that high voice was a result of my nerves and anxiety really was not a choice at all. It was like, it literally, I used to like now I've since I think worked on my voice a lot in terms of, you know, working on it, like making it more resonant and, you know, fuller, but no, that was, that was just completely, I was just nervous all the time. So that's just kind of like how I spoke when I was nervous and it was not on purpose at all. It was, oh, wow. People, it came, I didn't find out till after that it was so high. I didn't even know. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't realize because I just, for me, I was just like, just trying to get through it and do, do the lines and remember them and, wow. and not like, yeah, but I was, but I was nervous the whole, but although he, I mean, I was nervous, but they, that's because of me, not because of them. They were all so welcoming and warm and was such a fun and group. And, and Bill Lawrence was so nice, just like the most amazing person to work with. And so like, it it makes complete sense how Ted Lasso is doing so well. Like it's like to have, he's like a, he's a, he's like the leader. He's like just such an amazing leader and, and just genius, you know, it's anything. Yeah. And he's so he's able to like give give a note in such a concise way without making you feel insecure or, you know, anything like that. He he, he creates right. like an open space, open environment, safe environment. But what I what I realized was my the character of, of Sonny was not what I auditioned for. You know, it was okay. who I was when I came into the room. Mm-hmm. And I think the audition showed that I could act and like find mm-hmm. comedy in the scene. But the character was me essentially but not me but right. like me, a heightened version of me right back then if just like this cheer because I am I am a very positive person and I do sort of I think bring a sense of positivity to like m- most things that I do but mm-hmm. yeah but that that was like such a telling just a telling situation of Oh yeah, you you know, kind of a you are enough, you know, kind of moment yeah. that at Bring that yourself. age I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, it's like something now. I tell you know, I teach acting, and I'm I you know, I tell my students these and these kinds of thoughts, and but it took me it, it took me a while to learn it to learn that you know that I'm enough and I'm worthy and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you got to bring yourself to it. That's one of the things like I have heard many times is. It's uh, it's more natural. It's it feels mm-hmm. more real. You connect more mm-hmm. when you bring yourself to it. So it's mm-hmm. it is good advice. 
You mentioned that you have worked on your voice to make it more resonant. What specifically, if you don't mind sharing, what did you do to work on your voice? So a number of things. I will say the most recently, I, so I'm part of this theater company called I Am A Theater Company, and I just did two plays back to back. And that, what, like, what a shakeup from my life. I started and I, I basically came back to LA in January, jumped into rehearsals for the first play, Celestial Events. And, and that changed my life. And then I did Untitled Baby Play after that. And I was, and I, I got an award, which is really exciting for it. And I, but I will say it was because of the work I worked. I mean, it's not because of, I, I didn't get the award because of the work, but I got, I got that because of the collaboration, the community. But in terms of answering your question with voice, I had, it was, it forced me to doing these plays forced me to do vocal exercises every day. And I started doing some that my friends sent me. I started focusing a lot on, because I was also, I hadn't done theater in so long and I started losing my voice like Mm. a lot after talking for so long and and projecting, I just, I started losing my voice and, and I'd also do voiceover. Like I do voiceover for animated So I couldn't, I can't, like, I couldn't keep losing my voice. It was very unhealthy. And uh, and so I had to figure out ways to strengthen it. And so I worked with our directors. I worked with just friends that are, you know, that taught me about how to strengthen your voice and starting with the breath and making it, working on, working on supporting your voice with breath. And, and And it was just kind of a, like 30 minutes of my day I'd spend doing vocal exercises and that was a game changer. And so, yeah. and even before this past January, when it came, it was, I mean, honestly, it was even being mindful because I, so this is something that I do a lot with my students too, that because I had a high, because I naturally had a high voice for so long, I would just say, you know, I would say, okay, when you're rehearsing these scenes, ha- it's okay to be very conscious that you are going, you are dropping your voice. You are dropping your voice. You're dropping down. And I would say, you know, Mm -hmm. you're dropping, you're dropping into your belly. You're dropping into your power. You're dropping into, and, and it's okay to feel like a bad actor when you're, when you're trying to change a habit that's been with you for so long. And Mm -hmm. so that's something that I feel like I did for a long time too, was consciously like, okay, I'm going to drop my voice. I'm going to drop my voice. I felt, and the whole time I was aware that I was dropping my voice and sometimes it would make the scene feel clunky, but I just kind of rehearsed, practiced it until it became a habit. And sometimes I still like when I'm really nervous for an audition or for something, I might like, I'll, it's like you fall back sometime and like, I'll immediately just start, you know, start talking like this. And, and sometimes it's called for, sometimes it might be, age appropriate for that role or sometimes it might be okay to have a high voice or that that for mm-hmm. that particular role but it's then I always have to take a step back and be like is it right for this if it's not let's drop in and I just have to remind like mm. it's it's sort of you know like with anything when you're creating new habits it doesn't necessarily I feel like mean that the old ones disappear completely I just feel like mm-hmm. you have more ability to like turn the volume down on Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it pops up, like when the hat, when the old habits pop up, I'm sort of like, okay, all right. I see you. I knew you were going to come, but let's try. Let's, let's see if we can have a conversation, you know, like, kind of, oh, interesting. And, yeah. and let's see if we can, yeah, let's dial down the volume of this situation because this is it to me, it's also a tick, like, or like a, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, a telling sign. Like if I'm like, okay, if I'm getting so nervous that this is happening, then maybe I'm not specific enough in my interpretation of the scene, or maybe I'm not dropped in enough or, you know, to me, they're all like tell their, their signs. I think one thing that I often am aware of with my acting is my eyes going, moving around maybe more than they should, because you really on camera mm -hmm. work, you really have to be what I've noticed is people being really specific about where they're looking, where their eye line is. Mm -hmm. And I'm never consciously paying attention to my eye line, which is not great. So I'm, I'm always having to remind myself of that. But your experience has sort of taught me, oh, I can, I have permission to think I'm doing a bad job sometimes because I can, since I'm aware of it, can then try to change, you know, as opposed to being completely oblivious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think it's a circle. One thing. So I teach with uh, my friend Patrick Kavanaugh. We teach at John Rosenfeld Studios. And one thing that they both say, Patrick and John, is like 90% of what you have to work on in your acting is what you have to work on in real life. And mm -hmm. I, I also take that a step further and say, and just because you've resolved it now doesn't mean it won't come back. Like, I, right. I think there's a cycle. It's like if you're working on intimacy or something, then maybe you, that's something you have to work on. And then you've kind of go through that process and then you're now you're working on your voice and like, oh, your eyes are popping this way and that. And so you start kind of slowly chipping away and then you might come back around to this. And, and, but I think it's okay. Like, I think that's a, that's part of it. It's part of, I yeah. don't think as an actor, you're ever done. Like, I don't think you're ever like, okay, now I'm the right. best actor of all time or the best actor <laughs> I can be. You know, I think there's always that it's a cycle and it's growth and mm -hmm. you just continue for as long as you're doing it. Totally. Or not agree. doing it. You know, even like life, <laughs> even just having life experience and that having, letting that contribute to your work is important. Right. Did you have a tough transition going from theater to on camera? Because Scrubs was a well-oiled machine by the time you got there. So I imagine the TV style of acting was something everyone else, or at least the main characters, were very strict about and, and good at. Were, were you, when you were getting into that environment, did you notice uh, having to make any big changes? Yeah, I mean, well, so because I was doing a lot of theater and that's what I, where my roots are, but I definitely feel like when I came to... I mean, even in Chicago, I started taking on-camera classes uh, okay. and I even, and, you know, I was kind of always training and, and really it's just, it's so much of it comes down to, I talk about the, my bestie Parvesh, Gina and I, we talk, we're also like business partners, right? we're really, really close. And we, we talk about this a lot where it's like, yes, they're all different mediums. But even like TV itself has different, you know, the different genres of single camera versus multi-camera versus one hour drama versus one hour dramedy. Right. But ultimately it's the same. Like you're at, like, it should be the feel the same, whether it's like, whether you're doing a cold read of a movie versus whether you're doing a polished stage performance versus whether you're doing a multi-cam or a single cam. And Ultimately, it's still it's like you're you're the instrument still in, but it, it is 
figuring out the genre and the pocket and then falling into that. Mm. But so, and, and yeah, education, educating, like I definitely took classes on how to hit your mark and things like that, where I didn't, I wanted to practice that. So until it became second nature. So, and there was a time even in LA where I would have friends and I, we would put each other on tape every single day for 30 days, just to get in that habit of, Mm. of doing it, watching it and calling yourself out and just thinking. So like in terms of the transition to theater and film, I don't feel like there is yet. You do have, you have to, it's, it's less about, I think it's more about just dropping into whatever genre you're, whatever genre it is. And and yeah, the huge differences in theater you're projecting to the last the last row, whereas right. in film and TV you're not. So fun, and like there are definitely major differences. But as far as transitioning from like back and forth to that, I kind of feel, mm, yeah, I, I don't. I, I think it just it's a, a practice, but also not treating it like it's totally different because I think ultimately mm-hmm. you're still like the truth. It's finding the truth. Like you should, I I mm-hmm. feel like finding the truth on stage is a, is the same as finding the truth in a TV scene. Right. But there are technical like technicalities that are different, like right. your volume and and things like that. But ultimately, like the expression is the same. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that that makes complete sense. It it is. You know, either way, you're trying to play this character. You want the character to come across real. You want to be a part of telling the story. Maybe you just can't be as loud <laughs> when you're mic'd yeah. up on a TV show, you know, like it's yeah. things like that. You're the not, yeah, you're you're holding the energy. But I think I think that's like one thing that I thought about that sometimes it's like you often you'll get the note of like, do nothing, just do nothing. And then and for years, uh-huh. then I would just do nothing. And I didn't like, wait, this doesn't feel right. And it's like, no, it's not do nothing. It's don't do the extra. Like it's sort of, you don't, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe you don't, because yeah, you're not project. You don't have to have big gestures to get to the, and so you're, it's harnessing your energy in a different way. And knowing that, knowing where the lens is. And then I guess, but, and but also that's the same with even in a in in a single play of like this last play I did we had they had like maybe 20 monologues like they were all out and then then scenes so even within mm-hmm. the play itself there were different genres of like mm-hmm. okay talking out that's going to be one energy versus being in this intimate scene is going to be another energy so it can it shift it shifts by medium it shifts by genre of whatever the thing is but ultimately i think it's important not to get stuck on Oh, like I'm a, I am I do theater. I don't know if I can do TV or something, you know, like not mm-hmm. like I, I guess not that people are thinking, but in case that, you know, there is that you, I feel like when you're an actor, that's your, you can act in, in all across all mediums and right. you just have to know. Yeah. And just, just learn and know the different, the technicalities that you have right. to kind of shift within each one and then practice those. Right. And you yeah. had done a, several shorts before you got on scrubs and you've done short since. Mm-hmm. And a lot of TV spots since. You've even directed since. You've yeah. directed some shorts. How did directing come into the fold? So my friend Che Landon and I used to have a, we started something called the Creative Artist Lab. And where we had, it was a three-month program and where actors came and we had, I mean, we had maybe 50 or 60 actors that we kind of helped. It was a hybrid program of acting, creating your own content. 
And we basically helped them create either short scenes or short films for their reels that they can, you know, essentially write and create. And we, and we hooked them up with DPs and that kind of thing. And we had a space and it was great. So that was my first foray into that. And then also as a teacher, because we've I've been teaching for so long that essentially that so much of teaching is directing, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of like, okay, here's my take on a scene. It's just my take. It might not be yours, but let's try this and let's try this. And so I think that's also helped like strengthen that of, of looking at a scene and thinking, how can I use what they're already doing and make it more specific or enhance it or make it a little more pop, pop more or that kind of thing. But last summer, when was that? Yeah, last summer I got a job at Art of Acting Studio where basically I helped students same sort of the same thing like it was a writing class but then I and then Mm -hmm. I direct they wrote scenes over a course of eight weeks and we and then shot them and then there was a production company that shot them and then I was sort of the on-set director for those oh and cool yeah so that's how I got into that and that was uh it that was incredible because it was just this and and that was my real kind of first time actually being on set with people I didn't completely know and kind of having to harness that, like that leadership and that, you know, and it, and it was, it was, it was incredible. And then watching the results of that was, was quite rewarding. And some of them, they was all for their showcase so that they can get representation and many did. And so that was, yeah, it was very rewarding to like, kind of help each actress write something for themselves and then do it and feel like, Okay, let me just try to, you know, it's like as an actor, I love acting and but and then but having this the opportunity to direct, it just gives you that sort of like when I was saying before, but when with majoring in theater, you kind of have to, it makes me it makes me a better actor to direct, but also makes me a better director to act and kind mm-hmm. of, I think and and but I'm just learning. I'm still learning right. in both in both avenues. And yeah, so that's how that happened. Yeah, I've heard that um, actors who go on to direct are pretty consistently nice for actors <laughs> because because they yeah. get it you know they understand mm-hmm. they're they can empathize with what their day is going on. yeah yeah you know I haven't I'm not a filmmaker that's the thing like I you know I'm not a filmmaker and I don't I'm not a, really like a content creator from that in that sense of where I'm definitely more of like a you know I I I do more like big, big project or like, you know, this play that I just did was two and a half hours long. You know, that was my focus for this time. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, I'm not like a short form content creator and I definitely am not a, a a filmmaker per se. So that's why in terms of directing more, I mean, I would love the opportunity, but I feel like it'll come, it's going to come from a different way. It's not going to come, you know, I'm not, I'm not somebody who I don't have a director's reel or anything like that. And I don't, right know if yeah that's going to be the word the this the road I take that was something that kind of somebody asked me the other day because I did I, I did stand up maybe 10 years ago a handful oh, yeah. of times and and it was fun and I love it and we do I do a lot of hosting and things like that but I it, it, it hit me though I was like I don't I want to focus on one thing and do that fully mm-hmm. and mm. try to 
you know, just keep trying to be the best that I can. I'm like the app. I don't feel like I'm a, what do you call? I know these days it's like the, the hash. Everyone is a myriad of things like actor, director, right, a multi-hyphenate. Writer, yeah. Multi-hyphenate. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Like I act and then I, uh, that's kind of the first thing. And then Parvesh and I have a development deal with Disney plus. So we are, you know, we're honing oh, cool. our, our creation and, writing skills through that and where you know and I do write but it's all these are things that I'm doing but I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a multi-hyphenate and then they and yeah. I'm totally I'm a I'm okay with it <laughs> so I'm like I just can't I have to I can't do 15 things at once you know it's, <laughs> they're like side hustles they're, yeah I like cannot that's that's not yeah. how, how I roll like I already feel like in life there's 15 things to do in a given day that it's just like I don't know how people are you know do multiple things full force i'm like i'd just rather do one thing as much as i can and work on that yeah. as much as i can and yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know how ryan reynolds does it <laughs> yeah exactly Running i really don't know doing all these ads for yeah me. yeah and i think well i think that certain point when you when you get to a certain level you have a village that well, then maybe true. you can you can that maybe you can sometimes delegate and to, and things like that so hey For that sure. is that's the dream i want to have a village <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely that is the dream for me so I, I would love to mm-hmm. i think just a lot of the people i admire are people who are doing several things and like the, yeah might be, yeah you know like tina fey she she acts but she's also a writer you know and, and developing yeah. things and i would love to mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you mentioned you are teaching at and you're teaching at the John Rosenfeld Studios. Yeah, John right? Rosenfeld Studios. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you've also recently, you mentioned a play you're in. Was that Untitled Baby Play? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you won a Cine Award for that, for yeah. a, top, a top honor there, uh, for your performance. And that, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was really, it was really special, you know, to, to I, I've never gotten that kind, like, that, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, and it's mm-hmm. something like that feels good. Not really, not even for me, but like we all, the whole, everyone who worked on that play, like we all, everyone worked really hard and it was an important topic. It was about the choice of to be a mom or not. And it was six women with completely different perspectives and it was written by Nina Braddock directed by Katie Lindsay was at Iama and it was really a cathartic, beautiful experience. And so then to get like something, an, an award, it's, it feels for one, it feels like, cause theater also exists in kind of a, you know, it's just exists, it's there and then it's gone. And so to have something like that mainly to show, to tell my parents about <laughs> feels, mm-hmm. it, it feels, it feels good, but it's also just like this kind of, you know, we have doubts as artists. Like there's this it's right, part of, yeah. I think it's a natural state of being an artist is we don't know if we're, what we're, what we're doing and if we should continue doing it and what, you right. know, it's, what's going to come very, next. What's going to come next. Yeah. And so this was, it just felt very special. It was like an external validation that felt very like the universe sort of being like, Hey, I see you like keep going. And yeah, it just is yeah, very, very, I feel very honored for that. And I oh, think the ult- 
Yeah. But ultimately I think it was because this, the, I am a, I am a theater company changed my life in so many ways. It's given me an, a theater home and an artistic community and family here. And I think that's ultimately what, yeah, it's, it's about. <laughs> yeah. And you've also done a ton of, you mentioned earlier, you've done some voiceover for animated projects. Like for instance, you're one of the people on one of the voices, you do a few voices on Mira, Royal Detective, right? And there's also Powerpuff yeah. Girls and so you've done a bunch, which is an, another medium, right? That's like, we were talking about the different mediums in television. So what is the adjustment there? Because when I, you know, at first, before we started talking, I was thinking, well, given how good she is with voices like we saw in Scrubs, of course she would be good in animated <laughs> film. But since you have, you know, revealed that you have really worked in your voice and, and the real reason you're, you revealed the real reason your voice was like that on Scrubs, it, it, it must mean you're doing something different to a certain degree when you're on doing these animated projects. Yeah, well, I feel like I, I will say the, the the best thing about voiceover is that you don't have to memorize lines. <laughs> <laughs> and that is and that also is so freeing to, you know, when you go and and do voiceover, it's just really um, it's really fun. And there is a it's a yeah, it is a different genre, different medium it's there's a sense of it being a little less what you call just like how we're talking about changing your energy with from theater to film a lot of it is like shifting your energy so it's not so outward but it just lands like right in front of lens or right in through through lens or go goes through the goes through the lens to whoever is watching voiceover you have to harness all your energy just into your voice and know mm -hmm. that you know they're not seeing your seeing you or anything but ultimately it's also i feel like still the same you know it's kind of you're still using your body you're still you know you, if yeah smiling sound a voice sounds different when you're smiling than when you're not so you're still going to be doing facial gestures and things yeah exactly so it it's a but in the same way tech technicals are different you know you're right it depends on whatever the show is sometimes a show they'll have the storyboard up and you're kind of following the storyboard and matching your your voice to whatever action the character is doing sometimes you just get the lines and you just say the lines you know you go through each line do it three times each and mm -hmm. you bring something different each time so what's great is that it is like a medium where it's you don't necessarily have to prepare a lot you can prepare the kind of maybe the kind of voice you want to do and know the, you know, the age of the character and all of that, but ultimately like maybe know the essence. Would you, and the, es the essence, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The age, the essence, just the character work that you'd normally do for anything else. But then on the day you're just, you just can play like, you know, you can play and you, you get more, more often than not, you get about, three opportunities to do the line. So you don't have to sort of prepare in a way where you're like, okay, I'm going to do the line this way. It's never about that. It's usually like you can try different, three different thoughts into that line. Mm. And so, or yeah, so that's the thing. So with voiceover, I do find it to be, and often I notice like in a, in a lot of sessions, we'll, I might prepare like oh, a voice like this or, you know, a different kind of, I'll go in with a certain, 
tone that I'll have in mind. And uh, like lately, I feel like the director's usually like, let's just use your voice, mm. you know, or like, let's just <laughs> use your voice, maybe heighten it a little bit. And so that's also really freeing. And it's like, it's almost like you don't have to, and often with the world of animation too, unless the show is geared towards really little kids, it's they, we want it, they want it to be as real they want it mm-hmm, to sound authentic. Mm-hmm. They want, you know, that's, right. I feel like that's the way the genre is shifting a lot. Like you're, you know, it's sometimes, yeah, you're, you know, want to talk like this or, you know, and, and then, <laughs> but there's also so many voice actors that do that so well, you know, there's right, a, right, right. Like Don, <laughs> the voice of Donald Duck, you know, the voice of me, that, those kinds of voiceover actors, like this is their, their, they have created these memorable, amazing voices mm-hmm. and they're, and it's that's there at the like the top of their top of their game. And I feel like I'm still a voiceover newbie. Right. One thing that I feel like I would struggle with is making a vocal character choice feel authentic and real. And as you're saying, you know, like a lot of people are wanting to go in the direction of real. So that's why they say just use your real voice. But when you are using a voice different than your own, what sort of approach did you take so that it still felt authentic? Or maybe it's maybe it's a me thing <laughs> that I just have a hard time putting on a voice <laughs> and also being real, at least in an improv scene. Yeah, I hear you. I think that it's the same, you know, how we were talking about before is the essence, the prep. I think it comes down to preparation mm. and knowing the voice is just one of the, it's like the, the one, one of the parts of the person. And it's also, it comes down to thoughts. It comes down to their essence. It comes down mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. knowing all of that kind of stuff. I don't think that's where it comes down to like what they ate for breakfast that morning. It's not, <laughs> it's nothing like that, but I do think it comes down to that. Like what is the character's point of view? And the basics, like what do they want? What's holding them back? What is a moment before? What is a moment after? That and 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 knowing, even if you don't have words to answer that for each, you know, if like maybe they just want, oh, you know, or maybe they just want, <laughs> and and they can't because of ah, uh, like I think no, but even going <laughs> through those, going through that is how I I feel like you can make a a character that's not one dimensional mm-hmm. and that feels fully realized. And then the voice is kind of the, the last thing you add on, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, well, all right, but now she's 70. Okay. But she's tired, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and I think that helps with, is that it's not, I think we get caught into, Oh, it's voice. It's voice only. So it just, we right. just, it, we just need to perfect the voice, but it's not about that. I think once it comes, I know I keep saying the word energy, but I do think that that is, I agree, though. you know, and knowing when you're doing it on the day, it's not just about it being about the voice. It's adding in the physicality. It's adding in, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge, this is just me. This is how I am of, you know, they say like, oh, you can do voiceover in your pajamas. I personally like to dress the, in whatever way I think my character would dress when I oh, go okay, to cool. like a voiceover session, because mm-hmm. that helps. If I feel like she's, if the character is wearing heels, I might wear heels, you know, and just, but that, mm-hmm. that's just my own stuff that I feel like helps me feel like it's a, a, a real person and not just the uh, voice. Those are, that's really good insight. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Well, 
We have reached the end of the episode, but before we get to creating something together, I do want to talk about mm. for samosas because you were just at the Tribeca Festival because it was in the festival. So congratulations. Thank you. Tell us about that and where people can see it. Sure. For samosas is fun. It's really, it's a wacky little gem of a comedy written and directed by my friend Ravi Kapoor and produced by a whole bunch of beautiful people. And Vank Patula is one of the producers and also one of the, he's the the lead. He's the, the first, the first of the four. Samoa says I'm one of the four. And basically it's about he, his the the woman he loves is engaged to another man and so he decides to steal diamonds from her father's indian grocery store and he enlists us for us three to help him with that and then <laughs> hijinks ensue and so i know ravi because I actually did. I've known him just for years, I think by nature of both being Indian and in the industry. And I know his wife really well, and they're just lovely people. And I did a movie called Miss India America with that Ravi made uh, maybe seven, eight years ago. And I just had a few lines in that. And he just called me and he's like, last summer was like, I, I have this movie. We're going to shoot in August. Are you available? And He's like, yes, of course. <laughs> so whatever you need, Ravi, he's, he's lovely. I kind of do what he tells me to do. There's certain people that I'll just like do whatever they tell me to do. He's one of those. And and then it got into Tribeca, which was really cool. And and then I went, which was, I will say, it was a, 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 be a beautiful moment in life that I was doing the play. It was very hard. I You know, it was a big decision to kind of step away. I had to miss one performance to go to New York and with COVID and everything, I was really nervous to step away from, from the play, but it was, you know, I went to New York. We went to the premiere, had a great time. I or woke up early the next day, flew back, came home, took a shower, went straight to the theater and did a show that night, the next day and the next day after. And it was this moment in life that I'm like, this is like, okay. Like I've, I feel like I've worked really hard to like, be an actor. And that was like a weekend that I felt like an actor, you know, and I felt like, wow, okay. People used to say it's about persistence, about staying in the game. And it was just this moment that I was like, yeah, I think it is. And so in terms of where to see it, I don't know yet. <laughs> I think it's eventually will be somewhere. And I don't have that information yet, unfortunately, but they did. What was great is that the screenings screening sold out at Tribeca. So they added another one and, and right. extra screening and yeah, yeah. So it was, it's cool. It's definitely very fun. I hope that it's a, it's a joy. It's just a, like a, a joy of a film. Like it's, it feels yeah. like an escape from, you know, everything going on in the world right now. And it's yeah. just kind of this nice, very culturally appropriate, funny movie. And oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Congratulations. I knew that it had sold out and that the second night had to be added, which is, you know, a phenomenal thing to happen at Tribeca. Yeah. So now that we are at the end of the episode, it's time to create something together. And what I was thinking, if there's a young actor or there's someone who's wanting to act, what is something they could work on that through all your experience, what is something that you would say, oh, you cannot start working on this too soon? 
That is a great question. I hate to be so woo-woo and I think it kind of, <laughs> it's something, but I think that it took me a long time to accept and it actually has less to do about acting and more to do about mindset. Mm. And so I think like the thing to work on is knowing that you are enough. And I know, I don't know if that's like an, maybe it's not an actionable thing. I'm trying to think of something we can create for that, but that is one. And, and really, and what I, and I guess what I mean by that is that it's, you are enough, but not, and finding, finding the truth in that, in the line where that lives, it's not about being narcissistic and knowing that you right. are the best or thinking that you're the best and you're, there's nothing. It's just knowing that it's no, and it's not the opposite. Like the other end of the spectrum is just like, oh, I, I'm that nothing's ever going to happen. I'm never going to, you know, and I, 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 it's trust. It's having that trust. It's having that, but also doing while you, and then while you're, I guess, while you're working on that, it's also what are the things you can do to live the life you want to live now? Mm -hmm sort of like, why do you want to be an actor? Why do you, what is it really about? And if, 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 is it about acting every day, then act every day, you know, is it about, is it about wanting to have a, a, a voice? Then I think using your voice every day and, and not, I don't mean to have the pressure of every day, but I think, I think the big thing is that some it's, yeah, no, realizing you're enough and then, and then putting action to that. I think that's, I think that's important. And then the third step, letting go. So this, oh. yeah, those are the three steps. It's knowing you're enough and putting, I'm just making this up as we're going along, but I'm, <laughs> hey, we're creating something, but this is, I'm thinking, this is what I wish that I had done. I had known, you know, I wish I knew I was enough earlier. I wish I had put more action to that as I, and bounced back faster mm -hmm. when I didn't get a role and I wanted, I wish that I, now I feel like I can bounce back pretty quickly. I can take the time to feel sad and then let it go and tuck it away and then move forward. But before I think it would take me a long time, it'd take me like weeks where I feel sad. And, and then the third step is letting go and kind of trusting that what's, what's yours is yours and what's not won't be. And whether that's true or not, I think there, it, it doesn't even matter. Like it's whether, and whether it's like you believe that or not also doesn't really matter. The point is that it's a way, I think, to keep going. And mm -hmm. that's ultimately what the hardest thing to do in this industry is, is to keep going in the face of rejection and success. Right. It's There's always going to be one or the other. And so how do you wake up every day and be the artist that you, not even that you want to be, but that you are? Mm. I think it comes down to many things, but those three, I feel like are the, what I would say to my younger self or to anyone who's like just trying to get into it yeah well that's wonderful there it is thanks so much for being on the podcast Sonal yeah thank you thank you so much for inviting me and I wish you the best of luck with this podcast but I also who to whoever is listening I wish you all the best of luck as well <laughs> oh that's so sweet and positive I don't I actually it's <laughs> the first time someone said that on the podcast that's, that's really sweet thank you yeah of course of course 
Oh my gosh, how incredibly kind was she? Follow her on Instagram at Sonal Shaw Official and on Twitter at Sonal B Shaw. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod. And follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes and on Instagram at Jason Far Picks. Also subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. And go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info and our brand new Fest submission blog. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 